With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There was probably a fair amount of Connor Stallion's costumes that were put together in the final minutes before you went trick-or-treating last night. There was probably also a fair amount of other college football-themed costumes. Uh, saw some Deion Sanders costumes out there. Uh, I probably would guess there were some other mascot costumes put together. Regardless, hope you had a great Halloween. Before you went trick-or-treating, maybe as you went trick-or-treating, those college football playoff rankings got released last night. Now, the college football playoff rankings, the first time they drop during the season, it always feels like it's the first grade you get back on your test. There's kind of that small feeling of panic wherever your team sits. Like, oh, no, what, what, does, what does it mean for my final grade in the class? It impacts it. It kind of sets a course for the rest of your time in that class, the class being the college football season. But at the end of the day, it's a starting point. It's not the roadmap, but it's a good place for us to reference as we jump into the 2023 college football playoff race, officially now in November. The playoff race, much like the Heisman, is determined in November. There's a strong lead-up. All of the regular season matters, and that's why we love this sport so much is because it's a 12-week playoff, not a 12-team playoff just yet. Regardless, though, got a lot to unpack with those college football playoff rankings here in just a second. It is Wednesday. November 1st, 2023, the last one in the history. Got to make it a great one. Going to do that right now by talking college football and only college football. If you have not yet subscribed to the channel, would love to have you along for the ride here. As I just mentioned, it's ball and only ball every single day of the year. It's frosty windshield season now. You got to either turn on the car before you get out to the car, if you have one of those devices, or you got to get out the scraper scrape off the windshield and that means we have meaningful really meaningful playoff football to be had here in just a minute when it comes to the rankings the ncaa and the college football playoff are kind of mutually exclusive or not mutually exclusive they're they're independent of each other as it pertains to what michigan is right now college football playoff committee was like play ball like the ncaa you got to parent your kids we're going to worry about what happens on the field. Uh, we don't look at that at all when it comes to Michigan. So we're going to talk about Michigan and what we think about them being at number three here in just a minute. The Pulse, the program series, talked about Ohio State last week, this week, in honor of Nick Saban having his birthday yesterday, have birthday coach. Uh, we're going to give you a pulse of what's going on in Tuscaloosa and where things stand with them right now. Because a lot of people now saying after Alabama lost to Texas, they're, they're down. Nick Saban's lost his fastball. A lot of overreaction going on after that USF game. Hey, Saban isn't what he used to be. Good for him. But, I mean, it's time to start thinking about that next head coach in, in Tuscaloosa and uh, Alabama sitting there with one loss in the top 10. We'll give you our thoughts on them and where their, uh, their pulse stands right now for the Crimson Tide. And a lot of talk about Oregon. They, I mean, they made a statement against Utah. And you've heard it across different broadcasts, different podcasts. No rhyming intended there, but that was kind of sick. Uh, Kirk Herbstreit last night talking about how he would not want to play Oregon right now. A lot of people insinuating that Oregon is a college football playoff contender, obviously by them being in the top six, but even more so a national title contender. What do we think about that? 
I mean, it's, it's been no secret. We're, we're pretty high on the ducks over here on this program. But what do we think about Oregon and all the buzz they're getting right now with everyone else, with everyone else getting up to speed on the ducks and what's going on in Eugene? We'll give you our thoughts there. Is Oregon for real? Is kind of the premise of that whole conversation. As I mentioned before, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a minute of what we got going on right here. Follow me on Instagram. Follow me on Twitter at JD Piquel. Those are two platforms where we're going to make sure you're as much in the know as possible with what's going on on this show. We love talking ball live right here. But when we're not live and on the air, that platform is a great way for us to interact. So again, at JD Piquel on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, and on Instagram at that handle. So first things first, man, we got to handle business and talk about the college football playoff rankings, give you our real reaction. We did this last night in a one-off video, so I didn't want to just kind of go through that came of that, of that same conversation of, well, here's what we think about the rankings. Is this fair? Is this not fair? I think the committee got it right. I think the committee got it right to kind of preface this whole conversation, but the other part of that that I want to address is the path and the edge for these top six teams as it pertains to the rest of the season. So at number one, it's Ohio State. We knew it'd be Ohio State. You probably knew it'd be Ohio State. They have the best resume in the country. We said it last night on our one-off video. I'll say it one more time. Men lie, women lie. Resumes don't lie unless you are a finance major trying to get a summer internship. In that case, like do what you got to do. No judgment here. Two top 10 wins, one on the road at Notre Dame. Took care of business at home against Penn State. We saw that in living color, live in living color. Uh, that was pretty awesome. Like this is a team that is built to go the distance if they continue to trend the right way. So the path for Ohio State when it comes to a national championship and the college football playoff, like same song, second, third verse, whatever you want to call it, like it is that yellow brick road heading right to Ann Arbor, Michigan for a crash course yet again with the Michigan Wolverines. Even if Michigan loses to Penn State, let's just say they drop that game at State College as the Wolverines. Probably make the Buckeye faithful pretty happy. That's first and foremost. Second part of this, the, the impact of that game in my mind is still the same. Like there's still enormous stakes. There's still a huge playoff impact on that game. So I'm not even worried about the Michigan-Penn State game at this point in time. The Michigan-Ohio State game will still have the same impact in my mind. Now, when it comes to the edge for Ohio State in this whole college football playoff discussion, I think they're built differently than the last couple of years. And to take it a step further, I think they're built much better to match up with Michigan. And you say, well, J.D., yeah, the defense looks good. Yes, defense looks great. First of all, averaging 10 points a game allowed. That's first. But you're going to say, well, what do they have at quarterback? Like, it's not C.J. Stroud out there. It's Kyle McCord. Is Kyle McCord really going to be the guy to beat Michigan for you? The answer is I don't know, but I would say this. C.J. Stroud played awesome in both those games against, against Michigan the last two years, threw for over 300 yards, which kind of leads me to believe, like, the offense – in terms of what they have throwing the football, you would like to have that, I would have to imagine, but that wasn't the differentiating factor. That wasn't what got you over the hump against Michigan. So does Kyle McCord have to play well against Michigan? 110%. We all are on the same page there. We all agree with that. He has to bring his A game in that spot for them to win the football game. But does he have to throw for 400 yards to beat them? I don't think that's the formula. I think the formula is stopping the run much better than you have in the past. And I think the formula is being able to control the game much more than you have in the past. So I think Ohio State, by that logic, is in a better spot to match up with Michigan. So we'll break that game down when it gets here. Now at number two, you got Georgia. And Georgia has a ranked win on the resume, convincing win over Florida. So if you're into the recency bias side of things, I mean, that win over Florida probably sent a pretty strong message to the playoff committee of like, hey, look at us. Look what we're doing here. 
Don't forget about the dogs. The path for them is about to get a little bit more steep, a little bit more treacherous. A lot made about who Georgia hasn't played and who they didn't play in non-conference. Side note, uh, they tried to play Oklahoma, and the kibosh was put on that. I'm just saying, uh, rent is about to be due right now for Georgia when it comes to this college football playoff conversation. If chalk holds, they have three top 20 teams the next three weeks. They got Missouri, they got Ole Miss, and that Ole Miss game could be a top 10 matchup now, depending on what happens this week. And then they go to Tennessee. So even Georgia Tech to finish the season, Georgia Tech, I think, could be a little bit sneaky by nature of what we've seen them do with Haynes King and company. Not saying they're going to get upset. I'm just saying that game you will still have to show up for when you play uh, the Yellow Jackets. Now, the edge for them, the the obvious edge is they're extremely multiple, right? Like offensively for Georgia, they're running the ball for right around 175 yards a game. They're throwing the ball for well over 300. And it's kind of a complex conversation to approach because the last thing you want to say is it's ever a good situation to not have Brock Bowers in the lineup because that's not true. Brock Bowers is the best player in college football. The conversation can be had for other cats as well, but Brock Bowers is absolutely in that, you know, top tier conversation when it comes to what he brings to the table. But I think now if you're trying to defend Georgia, the conversation switches as to how you game plan for them. Because before it was like, hey, number 19, we got to take him away. First, second, third priority, stop Brock Bowers. Well, now it's a little bit more of like, hey, who's it going to be this week? Do we have to give extra attention to Dominic Lovett? Is it Ladd McConkie? Is it Oscar Delp? Like, who's it going to be? And you have a quarterback running the show right now who is just surgical in every sense of the word, completing 73% of his passes, knows where to go with the football every single time. He's put in the work behind closed doors now, and it's paying dividends in front of the entire country. So the way Carson Beck is playing is, I think, sort of supplementing what they don't have with Brock Bowers in the lineup right now. And again, kind of that element of surprise to a degree with which playmaker it's going to be for Georgia I think puts a different strain on defenses not a better strain but I think it could kind of be their edge here as they keep on moving without Brock Bowers and hopefully you get him back sooner rather than later if you're a Georgia fan but the edge for them like I said element of surprise extremely balanced best matchup team in college football defensively they don't really miss tackles they're very seldom out of their assignment and they're starting to play their best ball in November, as a Kirby Smart team typically does. So, Georgia at number two, I don't have any issue with that. Michigan at three. And Michigan at three, I think even the good folks in in Ann Arbor understand why they are where they are. They're not worried about it. Like, they just haven't played anybody too difficult just yet. And some of that's on Michigan of, you know, old and who they haven't scheduled in the past. It's not on anybody that's in the building right now at Michigan. Like, These schedules are set however many years in advance. It is what it is. Now, some of this is also on who they've played in the Big Ten. Like, sorry, Indiana's not bringing their A game this year. Not a ranked opponent. Sorry, Nebraska is still kind of in the get-back mode with Matt Rule. Not a ranked opponent. Like, you go down the line here, Michigan State, they're not as good as they were previously. They're kind of in shambles. And so some of this is like, hey, you play who you play, but they have been the epitome of dominant to this point. The average margin of victory for them is 35 points a game. Not scored. That's margin of victory, average of 35 points a game. J.J. McCarthy has taken ownership of this offense. And the the path for them is kind of what I said about Ohio State and similar to Georgia in a sense, kind of a combination. Like it's very backloaded in the same way that Georgia is. And it's similar to Ohio State in that it's still that crash course to that game. Yes, the Penn State game will be crucial. Have to clear that hurdle. But the Ohio State game, you would imagine, will kind of be the, the differentiating factor as to what their college football playoff hopes look like. 
the schedule for them, the comparison in my mind is like the equivalent to a college football strength program in the sense of whenever you, you know, start your, your schedule for your, your weight strength and training regimen, you typically start out like higher reps, lower weight. And that's just to kind of set the base, get comfortable with the movement. And then as you progress week to week, eventually those number of reps go down and that weight goes up. I think that's where Michigan is right now. When they get to the end of their regimen here, the back half of their schedule, the back three games of their schedule, it's heavyweight. It's going to be a one-game season week to week at Penn State, at Maryland, Ohio State. Three one-rep maxes for Michigan in those three games. Now, the Maryland game, you're saying, J.D., why are you, why are you emphasizing that so much? Well, Maryland... Not to get too in the weeds here. Really good offensive football team. I hate that spot that it's after Penn State and before Ohio State. Ohio State actually had some trouble with Maryland in that exact same spot a season ago. So keep an eye on that one, but it's going to take Michigan's best here at the end. Uh, The edge for Michigan, in my mind, the experience they have. A lot made about the personnel, a lot made about the talent they have. They have a lot of guys that are going to get drafted. And we'll talk about that here a little bit later in the show. But like the experience for me, is what separates teams when it comes to November, December, January. Like, look at Georgia last year. They were experienced at the most important spots. Quarterback, offensive coordinator. I think Michigan, with top five returning production in the country, is kind of in a similar spot. Across the board, you have a lot of guys here that know what the mission is. They're not, like, reading the press clippings and saying, that's great, we beat Michigan State. That's great, we beat Indiana. They're like, okay, cool. Check the box. On to the next one. Happy mission. We also did the same thing last year, and we ended up not playing for a national title. We got to handle business. And so I like that about this team. I think it's going to serve them well the rest of the way. Now for Florida State, uh, they got to throw the blinders on. They're at number four. The path for Florida State, to put it simply, is like give the committee absolutely zero reason to leave you out. Don't even let it be a second thought. And the way that you do that, you run the table the rest of the way. Handle business in your schedule. Win the ACC, be undefeated. At this point in time, looks like you'll play Louisville for the ACC. But handle Miami, handle Florida the way that you would be, according to Vegas, I would imagine, supposed to handle those teams. Probably going to be favored in both those games. Like, don't even give them a second thought. Don't don't allow them to try and take away from what Florida State has and what they've done to, to this point uh, on their on their schedule. Because you're undefeated, you're at number four. Don't worry if you're at five next week. Don't worry if you're at two next week. Just blinders on, game by game, handle business. You'll be in the dance. Now, the edge for Florida State, we talk a lot about like NBA basketball players as like get a bucket kind of guys. Like Kevin Durant, probably the best get a bucket guy in the entire planet. Or LeBron James, one of the best get a bucket guys. Like whenever you need to get a bucket whenever you need to get a matchup, Florida State, I think, is the equivalent of that. Because for Jordan Travis, he's so far along in his development at Florida State. Like, he's played a lot of football, gritty, as has shown he has the ability to push the ball downfield. But with the number of weapons they have when they're healthy, when Johnny Wilson is playing with, with, you know, a clean bill of health, like, there's, there's very few teams in the country that I think can match up with Florida State without having to give extra attention to one guy. And so when you give extra attention to Keon Coleman, Jaheim Bell gets open. Extra attention to Jaheim Bell, Johnny Wilson gets open. So like I was talking about the get a bucket kind of guy because I think it's the get a matchup kind of team for Florida State offensively. And whenever you can have a matchup, whenever you know without a shadow of a doubt, hey, we will be able to isolate one of our playmakers consistently throughout this game and he's going to win consistently throughout this game. Like I think that's enough 
on any given Saturday to get it done. So for Florida State, that's the edge. And again, just handle business and you'll be in good shape. Now, really quickly, these last two teams, Washington at five. I would put Washington on boom watch when it comes to this college football playoff field. Now, to give you a little bit of uh, insight to what we call boom watch, boom watch to me is like this is a team or a player that might be a little bit on the outside looking in, but by nature of what they have ahead of them, by nature of the stages, the schedule, whatever you want to call it, they're about to potentially shoot up the rankings if they handle business. And that's what we had Caleb Williams at this time last year when it came to the Heisman Trophy race. He was kind of in that top five, maybe even top 10 range when it came to this award. But then that last month of the season had games against UCLA, against Notre Dame, where he did his thing and shot up the rankings and became the Heisman Trophy winner. Different conversation because it's an award and it's not the college football playoff. But I think the same thing is true for Washington right now. The path for them is at USC. You play Utah and Seattle. You're at Oregon State. You got Washington State. All winnable games. All winnable games, all games that if you're looking at like across the board, the matchups, Washington should be able to handle business and get there. Now, the other thing I would say, I think they can get there with one loss if it looks the right way and if it's to the right team. Like if you if you lose to Oregon State at Oregon State, it's a three point loss and you go handle the business against Washington State the next week, kind of restabilize everyone's perception of you. I think you still find yourself one in the Pac-12 title game if things kind of shake out the way that. They could for Washington the rest of the way. But if they're a one-loss conference champ, I think you're in the dance, is what I would say. I think you're in the dance because of how good the Pac-12 has been to this point. Now, I understand some of that still has to do with what Oregon State does the rest of the way with that scenario I laid out, but the bottom line is one-loss Pac-12 champ. If it's Washington, I think you're in the deal. Same thing with Oregon now. Oregon's kind of peculiar because they're at six right now, and they arguably have the best loss which is, I I hate saying that word, best loss. It's never a good thing to lose. But if you have to have a good loss, they have one to Washington at Washington by three points. And I think they have the most convincing win in the country. I didn't say best win. I didn't say, you know, they they beat the top three team in the country or whatever it ended up being. But I'm talking about in terms of like the most convincing statement kind of win. I think they got that in Salt Lake City against Utah, a place where Utah does not lose, just handled business handled business. Bo Nix put on a clinic. Uh, The path for them is do not slip against teams you're not supposed to slip against. And then USC, Oregon State, both in Autzen. You don't have a mulligan. You can't lose another game and get to the college football playoff. But the edge for them, in my mind, and we'll talk more about Oregon here in just a little bit, they have a Big Ten team in the trenches and they have a Pac-12 team on the outside. Meaning they can throw the ball with you. They can stop the run. They can run the ball against you. Like there's so many different weapons within this roster at Oregon. They can play so many different styles. And the roster is built in such a way to where I think they match up well with a Big Ten team, with an SEC team. I'm not saying I'm taking them at a neutral site against Michigan or against Ohio State or against Georgia. But I'm saying if you just look at the matchups. I think Oregon's able to hold their own in those kind of games. And in the Pac-12, I think Oregon's going to be a team that ends up finding their way to that Pac-12 title game. We'll get a rematch against Washington. I think that's a win-in-your-in kind of game for both those teams. So that'll be a whole lot of fun. To put a finer point on this, ultimately, again, this is like your first test grade in a class. Does it impact the rest of the way for you? Sure it does. 100%. There's no way around it. I mean, definitely has an impact, sets the path for you. But at the exact same time, it doesn't determine anything so to recap it for you 
Oregon at six, Washington at five, the first two out on the outside looking in. You got Florida State at four, Michigan at three, Georgia at two, Ohio State at one. A lot of movement you would imagine to be had, as is typically the case when it comes to the college football playoff. And a lot of conversations about scenarios and what ifs and potentials, which is why we love this time of year to begin with. So that's our thoughts on the playoff and the edge and the path for those top six teams. Let's play ball and let's settle it on the field as we always do every single November. Good stuff, man. Let me know what y'all think about the college football playoff. It seems like a lot of y'all, based on my uh, posing of that question on my Twitter page, at JD Pacquiao, a lot of y'all were saying, yeah, don't have a huge issue with this, but it's the first one, so I don't really care that much, <laughs> which is which is honestly well within, uh, well within bounds for y'all to feel that way because that's, I think, about the right way to approach it. Not too much emotion, but just enough to give it some thought and give it some analysis. So about to move on here. Make sure you like the video. I want to tell y'all, I told y'all yesterday, make sure you're tuned into the live show because we will have information about a prize pick special here coming up. And if you follow this show for any period of time, you know, one, the hard count is brought to you by prize picks. So shout out prize picks for the people, by the people, daily fantasy, fun, easy, safe, just enhances your viewing experience when you're able to, you know, have a prize picks play going on in a number of different games. It's a blast. But here's what I want to tell you about. There's a prize picks giveaway that we're doing exclusively on this channel. Now, the fact that we're doing this is a testament to y'all because they see what y'all have been doing using the discount code or and, and getting the deposit match rather than the discount code, but using the code to be able to redeem some uh, deposit match kind of play within the uh, the app there with prize picks. So here's what I want to tell you all about. It's a giveaway. There's a link to this giveaway in the description to this live show. We'll also put it in the video that we put out. We cut it from this. Uh, what we got going on is essentially a free entry, a free entry, and it's going to be a five square, five pick rather, flex play. So what you got to do is you put in your prize picks email, pretty Pretty intuitive when you click on that link in this description, pretty clearly marked out. If you click on that link, put in your prize picks email, and if you're selected from that prize picks email, from, from you know putting your email into that uh, link rather, five pick flex play to win $1,000. Okay, free entry. So you don't put anything down if you're selected. If we, if we pick you, you're randomly selected. Five pick flex play, and if all five hit, thousand dollars no risk to you if it doesn't hit no problem no worries about it so free play to win a thousand dollars so make sure you get your your email into that link we're going to select the winners november 8th and uh, that'll be announced on this live show so make sure you're dialed in make sure you get after that in the link again shout out to prize picks for taking care of y'all taking care of us and uh making this a reality so again a lot of a lot of uh uh, I would imagine a lot of emails going to be in that uh, link in that Google form we got set up there. So make sure you get in there. We appreciate prize picks. Want to make sure y'all knew about that as we move forward here into another college football Saturday. So make sure we get after that. All right. If you could like the video, that would be greatly appreciated. A little thumbs up icon under the picture. Thank you so much. We'll keep on rolling here. So Michigan came in at number three last night in the original or in the initial rather college football playoff rankings and Michigan the whole situation has just been very very weird there's a lot made about Connor Stallions here we'll talk about that here in just a second but I think a lot of people in the back of their mind were wondering well how is the committee gonna gonna view Michigan 
Like this whole sign stealing stuff, is that going to be baked into you know where they're at in these original rankings? Are are they going to be knocked back a little bit because of that? I think three is fair. Like I think the committee did right by Michigan. Have they had the toughest schedule in America? Absolutely not. Some of that's on the people that made the schedule previously for Michigan, however many years ago, and then some of that's on you know the teams in the Big Ten not being able to be ranked. So when it comes to the resume rankings, have they played top ten teams like Ohio State? No. Have they played a ranked team like Georgia did when they beat Kentucky? No, but their average margin of victory is 35 points. So they've been dominant. There's no way around that. Like at some point, I'm I'm glad the committee did this. They just said, if we're watching ball and we see Michigan, Michigan's throttling everybody. So that counts for something. Is it a top two team right now? No, but they're going to be able to make their move here in November, and we all understand that. So the big thing that I think we took away from last night was Boo Corrigan the college football playoff selection committee chair was asked after the rankings came out, hey, how do you view the Michigan sign-stealing situation? Was that factored in? And I loved his answer. He said, that's an NCAA issue, not a college football playoff issue. Mic drop. Like, essentially, what he's telling me is play ball. We don't really care. <laughs> we don't really care. And I love that for a couple of reasons. One, because he's saying, let's, let's settle this on the field. Let's see if they're actually one of the top teams in the country. I don't care about the sign ceiling stuff. Whatever. Love that. Second, we have no interest in parenting your kids, NCAA. Like, to me, this is the school being like, hey, I don't care if he was bad at home. I don't, it doesn't matter to me. He's getting good grades in our class. We're going to give him a grade accordingly. Like, that, that's kind of the whole conversation that I think about when it comes to the NCAA and the college football playoff. College football playoff is saying, NCAA, you parent your kids, we're going to worry about what they do in the classroom. We're going to worry about what they do on the field, and we'll go forward from there. And I think that's exactly the right way to approach it, because if the college football playoff committee were to dock Michigan based on this whole sign-stealing fiasco, I'd have an issue with that for a couple of reasons, the first of which being, I think the blame that you know, the, the people would like to pass is on Jim Harbaugh. And if all of this ends up being true and there's consequences, like, yeah, Jim Harbaugh's probably the guy that you should punish because he's responsible for his football team. It is what it is. But I think if they were to punish Michigan in the rankings, it would be a punishment on Jim Harbaugh to a degree, but even more so on this team specifically. Like, what would hurt Jim Harbaugh, in my mind, is, you know, if, if we're getting extreme here, you'd say bowl bans and sanctions and all that. But I think even more specifically right now, it would be, like, scholarship productions and, and kind of cutting his legs out from under him in that standpoint. I'm not suggesting punishment. I'm just saying I like they didn't dock them any spots in the college football playoff because of things that may or may not be proven. Like, that's the other thing with this. There's a mountain of, wow, that looks bad. I've said it a couple times on this show. If you had to get my opinion on it, I think Michigan was probably cheating. Like, yeah, they probably did some sign-stealing stuff. There is a mountain of things that say, yeah, that looks bad. The the tickets that were purchased, the reports about guys holding cell phones from their seats, filming the other sideline, like the having two different tickets to Ohio State, Penn State that are across from the sideline. Like, I'm... I'm pretty sure we can all kind of put two and two together here. Yeah, there was probably an effort to cheat right there. But at the same time, and this is, we might get some kickback on this. That's okay. At the same time, a mountain of that looks bad is not the same of mountain of evidence. 
Like, until we have something, like, confirmed, clear as day, black and white. And, and to be clear, the NCAA may have this behind closed doors, but I, like, I'm still not clear as to how much cold, hard evidence we have when it comes to the whole Michigan situation. So if they were to dock them, I would still have, like, an issue because it feels like we're docking Michigan for a mountain of that looks bad versus a mountain of proof. So that's that. Also, to kind of put a cherry on top, even if Michigan had a massive advantage in the sign-stealing situation up to this point in the year is that really making a difference in what they've done these last couple of games like is Michigan having and I hate to kind of go into Indiana here because it's just the game that is most recent in my memory with Michigan being dominant like is the Michigan Indiana game drastically different if Michigan does or doesn't have their signs like is is the Michigan Michigan State game that different and at that point the whole science stealing stuff was out in the open so probably had different signs at that point in time the games of impact for Michigan are ahead of them and I promise you Penn State probably changed in their signs Ohio State probably changed in their signs Maryland probably changed in their signs because that's what common sense would tell you to do so in the games where Michigan actually will have a little bit better pushback from a roster to roster standpoint with how they match up talent wise in those games the science stealing stuff won't actually even be a factor if we're being honest, or it shouldn't be a factor based on what we've seen to this point. And those are the games that will really actually determine if Michigan has college football playoff chops or not. So the fact that they're at three, I love the way that the college football playoff committee has approached this. And I think it's just common sense in every sense of the word to this point. Now, we have to address this Connor Stallion stuff. And it's a little bit dated because this all kind of broke yesterday. And I'm still not even clear 100% as to if it's been confirmed or not. But again, the whole mountain of it looks bad. They added another stone to that mountain yesterday with the whole Connor Stallions looking like. Again, this is all alleged looking like at this point of us being live on the air. This is this is what I have understood to be true. It looks like there is someone very closely resembling Connor Stallions on the sideline for Central Michigan when they played Michigan State, I believe. And again, looks very weird, looks very bad just kind of adds to the point of, or adds to the sentiment rather of like, yeah, Michigan probably did it. Probably we're cheating. If that was Connor Stallions and there's been no reason to, you know, I'll, I'll backtrack. Jim McElwain was asked about this earlier today or, or gave a statement on earlier today and essentially was like, yeah, we're aware of the whole sign stealing guy thing. We didn't, you know, we didn't know who he was. Basically like, again, pointing to the fact that, yeah, that's probably Connor Stallions. That's probably Michigan, probably like, against the rules at the end of the day probably against the rules adds more to the fact that it's probably against the rules when it comes to what Michigan was doing so the first I mean I, the first thought I had I, I had two reactions to this and one was like oh my gosh how deep does this go like if he's not just getting into the game but actually walking onto a sideline of a college football team where else is he ending up at like is is this the only time he did this how involved was Michigan in this? A lot of questions, a lot of things that I'm quite frankly not super in the know to speak on because those are things that are going on behind closed doors and I hope we get more information on it because that's just wild. So one, how deep does this go? The second, this guy's a psycho. Like this guy is is out of his mind, <laughs> you know? Like, And there's a part of it where you're like, wow, that's, like I just said, that's crazy. I don't know if we really should be endorsing that. And the other side of you I mean, if you're a Michigan fan, you're like, kind of appreciate it. <laughs> kind of respect the fact that my dude is like, no, I couldn't see well enough from the bleachers. I need to be on the sideline. I need to be 
in full team-issued attire, hat on, Ray-Bans on, sunglasses, kind of incognito, looking the part to get the signs. Now, again, I don't know if this was something that Michigan encouraged or not. I personally, just my opinion, I would have a hard time believing that Michigan said, hey, Connor, we need you to get on the sideline for Central Michigan. Can you do that for us? And he said, no problem. Like, I, I think that feels a little bit more of a stretch to me, if we're being 100% honest. But, uh, yeah, a part, of, a part of me is just, like, objectively, this is, this is kind, of a, kind of a psycho move, and I'm kind of here for it. I'm not supporting cheating. I'm not supporting Connor Stallion stealing signs. But to find your way onto a college football sideline by going in disguise, full-on Halloween theme, there's a little bit of a hat tip to you. Respect. I wouldn't do it. I would never encourage it. Messed up against the rules. But like to find your way onto the sideline, uh, kind of impressive. Kind of impressive. And I think a lot of people kind of share that sentiment. So Michigan at three. I'm here for it. It's an NCAA issue, not a college football playoff issue. And I'm encouraged to hear they're saying, you know what, Michigan, play ball. We're here for that. We're here for playing ball and only ball. So good to see that the hard count and the college football playoff committee, most notably Boo Corrigan, are in lockstep when it comes to that whole approach. Really quickly, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you like the video. Thank you in advance for that. All right. The Pulse the Program series, something we do a lot in the summer and in the preseason. But right now during the season, We've kind of broken that out of the box again, got that out of storage, kind of like where you keep the Christmas tree. You grab the Christmas tree because now it's crispy season, frosted windshield season, and uh, also it's Pulse the Program season yet again. So I want to take a look at what's going on in Tuscaloosa, Alabama with the Crimson Tide. Last night came in at number eight in the initial college football playoff rankings. They host number 13 LSU this weekend. Massive game. Their only loss on the resume at this point is to number seven Texas. They have a win over, at this point in time now, top 10 Ole Miss over number 17 Tennessee. And wouldn't you know it, man, Nick Saban would imagine there he's just kind of sitting with his hands folded like this with a bunch of college football playoff and national title rings on his hands and just saying, here we are, controlling our own SEC destiny, controlling, you would imagine, for the most part, basically your college football playoff destiny. You still have games at Kentucky, still have games at Auburn, but I think the pulse of the program in Tuscaloosa, Alabama is right where we want them. That has to be the feeling for Nick Saban. Hey, we are right where we want this team to be. And it's not a thing of you're glad you lost to Texas, but I think there was this thought after Texas that, hey, at the very least, Texas is down. A lot of people saying that. Nick Saban lost his touch. Texas is, is just surpassed Alabama. And if Texas can beat Alabama, who else can beat Alabama? What's going on with Alabama? They lost in Tuscaloosa. And then after USF, after that game where it was just ugly, no Jalen Milrow playing in that game, Bama was unrecognizable. Everyone's saying, well, Bama is just waiting for the Grim Reaper. Just on death's doorstep. Poor Alabama. That was, that was fun while it lasted. The Alabama era is once again over. How many times have we heard that? And how many times do we need to realize that it's very, very seldom the case to this point? It has not been the case. And it felt like Ole Miss, that game against Ole Miss that Alabama won, that was like the defibrillator game for them. Where if, if, the, if the heartbeat was dying a little bit, it wasn't after that one. After that game, it was like, hey, we got a pulse. Hey, Bama's alive now. Bama's alive. You better watch out. And they've been rolling to a degree or continue to take care of business ever since. Like every single week in Nick Saban fashion, they just find a way to stay on the island that is the college football playoff reality show 
and keep on handling business and avoid that second loss. And the way that it feels right now for Alabama, it feels like they are in one game season kind of mode. And historically, there is nobody better at getting his football team ready for a one game season than Nick Saban. I mean, that's, that's, that's just the truth. So if you get past LSU, you should be favored in every single game that you play. And the thing that I love about Alabama right now, outside of them trending upward and them starting to play better football as a whole, like every single perceived weakness that they have, there's something within this team to offset that. Like people say, well, the offense isn't is it really going to be that good. Offense isn't, isn't great. Hey, defense is playing awesome right now, allowing 16 points a game. Good for top 15 in the country. Well, the quarterback isn't Bryce Young, like Jalen Milrow. He has moments, but like he's not a Heisman Trophy caliber kind of guy at this point in the season. He's not Bryce Young. That's okay. Jason McClellan, at this point in time, the last three games, averaging four yards a carry. That's going to get it done for your offense. But the offensive line, like we understand the pass protection. They haven't been very good, J.D. They're giving up a sack rate of like 16%. Pretty much everybody and their mama gets a sack against Alabama. Can't protect the passer. Well, Jalen Milrow, funny you should mention that they have trouble protecting the passer. Jalen Milrow is typically one of the best, if not the best athlete on the field in any game they play, which helps him avoid that pressure and helps him keep drives alive. And heck, it's, it's probably a big reason why you haven't playing quarterback right now because of what you don't have on the offensive line. Again, things within this team offsetting perceived weaknesses for Alabama. So this isn't the wire-to-wire Alabama team that we've come to know. It's just not. We're all on the same page there. This is not the Alabama team that was number one in the preseason polls, and they're going to go all the way to the national title as the number one team. Not the case. We've seen that. But I would say this. The way they improve and have continued to improve at key spots would make me nervous if I'm the rest of the college football public. Like the secondary as a whole is a great place to start. Week two against Texas, we're all like, oh boy. I don't know when they're going to get that fixed, but they have issues there. They gave up 349 yards against Texas through the air. Since then, they've been giving up less than 200. One of the best statistical units in the country. Jalen Milrow, well, threw two picks against Texas. I don't know if he's the right guy. I don't know if he can make the right decision. Is he able to, like, process the entire field? Is he able to, like, like, can you have the whole playbook open with him? Is he going to be the guy that makes that big mistake time and time again? Well, since those two interceptions against Texas, he's thrown three since the entirety of the season, since that game. And one of those interceptions, to be real, hit Jermaine Burton in the chest and then bounced off his chest into the arms of a safety. So, like, yes, he's been taking care of the football. He's improved. So the way that Alabama's continuing to climb, again, if they beat LSU, they are like Frankenstein. 1,000% alive, breathing, you better deal with Bama. No more of, can Bama get there? Are they climbing back? Like, no, at that point in time, I think we're looking dead in the eyes of an Alabama-Georgia SEC title game like a lot of us thought we would get. And going back to what I said, one-game season mode for Alabama and Nick Saban, all bets are off at that point. We're not predicting that game. We're not predicting who would win that game. I'm just telling you, if it gets to that point, we got to really start talking about Alabama going from week two, forget Bama, they're done, Saban's done, the USF fiasco and what they didn't do and what they, how they looked in that game, and then Alabama showing up in Atlanta and have a chance to play Georgia for a college football playoff spot, if they still have one loss at that point in time, does Alabama. So I'll just say that Alabama, the poll says we got them right where we want them, and that is dangerous for the entirety of the college football landscape. Just Bama hanging around, man. Don't, don't worry about Bama. We're just hanging around. Don't worry about us. We'll, uh, 
you know, we'll, we'll see where we are in November, and we're just going to kind of try to find a way to take it one week at a time. Now, I won't pretend that LSU game is going to be easy. We already gave our prediction for that game yesterday on our live show. If you haven't yet watched that, watch the rest of this live show. Hang out with us. We got some more ball to talk. But afterwards, go check out that prediction, and uh, we broke that game down in its entirety. So make sure you're dialed in there. All right. Really quickly, if everyone could hit that thumbs up button under the video, we have a tradition here of over 100 likes before we get off the air. And consistently, every single week, y'all answer the call to action. Here's the deal. Wednesdays, for whatever reason, I think it's probably because the Wednesday show is newer for us, being in season. Traffic kind of takes a little bit to get rolling. A lot of these views come in after the fact. So if you could like the video while we're on the air, get us over 100, it would be right in line with tradition, and we would appreciate y'all for doing that. So a lot of buzz, a lot of buzz around the Oregon Ducks. Oregon came in at number six last night in the initial college football playoff rankings. And the response around Oregon this week, I think, has been a lot of people kind of being put on notice with the Ducks. Now, if you've watched this show, we're not going to pat ourselves on the back and do this whole victory lap thing. But I'm just going to say, like, the line of scrimmage for us has always kind of been the appealing part about Oregon. And that's starting to show itself later in the season. They made a statement win against Utah. And right now, with them sitting at number six, you had Kirk Herbstreit last night say, hey, talking about the best teams in the country. He didn't outright say it. But he was like, I wouldn't want to play Oregon right now. I would not want to play Oregon right now from anybody else in college football. And so the question kind of starts like, is Oregon for real? And when I say for real, the question is, is Oregon good enough to play for a national title? Now, there's a lot of ball left to be played. Still have a fair amount of them in front of them on their schedule. But I'm here to tell you, yes, yes, Oregon is good enough to play for a national title. First things first, make sure you subscribe right here. Oregon fans. Had a lot of y'all join the party recently. We're glad to have y'all here. Make sure you're dialed in so you don't miss a minute of what we got going on here on the Hard Count on the On3 YouTube channel. We appreciate y'all in advance for that. So the first thing we got to address about Oregon, there's kind of this perception around the Pac-12. And honestly, even with Oregon specifically as a brand, we don't think of Oregon historically as being this super tough, gritty team. We think of Flash. We think of finesse. We think of cool uniforms. We think of fast. We think of Chip Kelly, no huddle. Like, that's all I think definitely a part of Oregon's history. But that's not what this Oregon team is right now. I'm going to reference this cinematic recap they had out from their game against Utah that the Oregon creative team put together. Y'all, they bodied it. First of all, it was a great watch worth every single minute of your time. Second part of this, really educational recap. So what Dan Lanning says to his team in that cinematic recap, they're in the, the team meeting room. And he just, he kind of asks this team, hey, what's, what's our reputation nationally? And that was one of the things that his team said to him back was like, hey, flashy, not tough. That might be the reputation, but reputation and perception is not reality when it comes to this Oregon football team. They got some dudes up front. Across the offensive line, their starters, the average weight is 320. In the interior of that defensive line, so defensive tackle position, at the two deep, they're averaging 312 pounds. Translation, they're big, they're physical, they're built like a Big Ten team up front. I know they're going to that conference next year, but right now, I'm telling you, Oregon is built like a Big Ten team when it comes to the trenches. And so what that means is they're going to be able to match up with those teams that they could potentially play in the college football playoff. I'm not saying they're going to overpower Michigan or overpower Georgia, but I'm saying if you put them on a field tomorrow, it would not be a massive personnel disparity. They would have the ingredients to get it done. And they're playing like it to this point, 6.1 yards a carry offensively, number one in the country allowing three yards of carry. It's good for number 12 in the country. So they're a big 10 team up front at this point in time, and that's going to trend well into November. 
Because in November now, we say a lot on this show, in November, everyone's a little bit, I don't want to say out of gas, but everyone's kind of dinged up. Everyone's kind of hurt. Everyone's trying to find a way to push through. So the skill players that you have, you may have that effectiveness every single Saturday. You may not have it to the same degree that you had in September and October. So what does it go to? The big boys. It goes to those hosses on the line of scrimmage being able to move you against your will, those big human beings making you say, uncle, do you have that? Do you not have that? If you don't have that, you don't stand a chance in November. Good news for Oregon, they have that. Like I said, can hang with those SEC and Big Ten teams in my mind should they end up playing them when it comes to the college football playoff. The other thing about this, and we said it about Georgia a lot last year, we're saying it about Michigan this year, but all teams that play for the college football playoff, that play for national titles, you have to have experience where it counts. And what I mean by that is at the quarterback position specifically, I understand it's a new offensive coordinator, but kind of the same system. Bo Nix has had like a million starts. There's not going to be a spot for him where he trots out there and it's just like, whoa, moment is too big for me. Playing the SEC, he understands big boy football. He's playing at Oregon right now. Walked out in that stadium last week against Utah in Salt Lake. And the Fox broadcast kind of zoomed in on Bo Nix to start the game. And he's almost like smirking. Like he, he almost thinks something's funny when he walks out on the field. And I was like, this dude's nuts. <laughs> this, this dude has poise coming out of his ears. And they ended up taking a, a delay of game, which made it all the more bizarre. But then Oregon just continued to shred Utah. Having a quarterback who's not going to have a moment too big for him, who's not going to, you know, get knees weak, arms heavy, and have his mom's spaghetti all over the place. Like, that's a guy that you need calling the shots for you. And Bo Nix has that. That's a part of their championship makeup in my mind. Other part of this, you look across the roster, and it reads like junior, senior, junior, senior, senior, junior, junior, senior. And that's pretty much the way it looks across the majority of these starting positions. Now, I'm not going to pretend they don't have some transfers that have added into the mix, but they have just become a part of this operation seamlessly. I'm not saying they don't have young guys that still contribute, but when you look at the majority of the guys that are getting meaningful meaningful minutes, the large majority, again, it's an adult football team. It's guys that could go purchase an adult beverage if they wanted to. Like That's kind of the makeup of this team. Now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend purchasing many adult beverages during the season, but you hear what I'm saying. A lot of maturity, a lot of know how to handle themselves, a lot of we're here to, to execute and do business. That's how Oregon gets down. Now, the thing I would say about Oregon, the thing that makes me most encouraged about them when it comes to their college football playoff hopes and what they're going to do the rest of the way, like they can fight multiple styles. And we said this a lot about Michigan in the offseason. We said this a lot about Georgia. So those are two teams that I'm comparing Oregon to multiple times throughout this segment. Should tell you how we feel about them. They can play any opponent. And I think however that game goes, they feel good about being able to play in the style of game. So to kind of put a broader point or finer point on this, uh, they're going to try and dictate terms to you. Like Oregon's trying to be who they are. They have an identity. But if it's a game where, hey, we got to score 15 to win the game. It's going to be a rock fight. They've got a great defense. Like points are going to be at a premium. We got to find a way to win, to, to win this game and score 15 and play good defense. I think they can do that by nature of how they're playing defensively right now in the line of scrimmage and by nature of how they're running the football. If it's a shootout, if they see Washington again, and I expect them to see Washington again, even though that game they lost by three points, if they find themselves in a track meet, I think they can win that kind of game as well, averaging 40 points a game right now. So whatever the recipe calls for on that day, they have the ingredients to get it done which means they're not going to get to a spot where they play a Ohio State and they're just severely outmatched and they don't know what to do because Ohio State's playing a style that they can't keep up with. 
They've got all the tools to be able to keep up with anybody in the country. And so Dan Lanning now has taken what he's learned, in my mind, from Kirby Smart, from Nick Saban, two of the GOATs, and he set the competitive temperature for his team at this point at an elite level. Like, typically you would see after the close loss to Washington, it would be very much so human nature to have a letdown game against Washington State. I didn't see that. They throttle Washington State. And then you're going to the game at Utah, and you're like, well, where is this team's emotional tank at? They got to get up for another big-time game. They throttled Utah. Like, they don't have a week-to-week, how are we feeling? Are we up? Are we down? Do we feel good about ourselves? Like, they're just very much so machine-like, take care of business, mature. And a lot of that starts with Dan Lanning. A lot of that starts with the locker room. And I think actually it probably starts with Dan Lanning and ends with the locker room. But a great example of this, and we mentioned it in a one-off video when we had our uh, our Sunday sprint on this past weekend. Bo Nix, they're up 35-6. to six, And there is, I think it's a third down where he drops back to pass, blitz in his face, he looks to his check down. And something just looked off about the play to where he kind of you know eats it, throws it in the dirt near Bucky Irving's feet. And again, 35-6 to six is the score. Bo Nix comes off the sideline screaming at Bucky Irving. He's walking to the sideline, back to the bench, letting him know, like, hey, you did the wrong thing. And there's no thought of, like, ah, no big deal, we're up 35-6. It's no, ah, uh, hey, no, no problem, I understand that was a third down, we can just punt it away, we're going to win this football game anyway. Like, it was in the second half of the game, and Bo Nix is livid. Why? Because they have a standard. They're trying to uphold. It's not Oregon versus Washington. It's not Oregon versus Ohio State. It's not Oregon versus Cal or USC. It is Oregon versus Oregon. And that's one thing to say. It's another to hold yourself to that standard in a situation where you're up 35 to 6. So that game, I think, told us a lot about where Oregon's at from a competitive excellence standpoint, from a competitive, from a competitive uh, temperature standpoint. And a lot of that goes to Dan Lanning. Like I said, it ends and starts with that locker room being able to just be mature, handle business, and do what they do. So the buzz around Oregon, are they a college football playoff team? I believe so. I 1,000% believe they will be a team that ends up winning the Pac-12 and end up in the college football playoff. So we're calling our shot. We're doing it in November. So, I mean, how much skill is there in that? It is what it is. But regardless, uh, Oregon, the buzz around them being a playoff team and a national title contender uh, that is 1000% real it's not just smoke and mirrors it's not just them having some good games it's like how they're made up internally and from a roster standpoint real deal we got a lot of uh, a lot of intrigue here when it comes to that conference realignment too and this isn't a conference realignment segment we're not going to talk about that right now but uh would they join the big 10 I don't think it'll be a thing where they have to like hit the reset button and find their way to Build the roster a brand new way. They're going to be able to, I think, compete on day one. Okay, so here's what we do right now. If you're new to the show, one, welcome. We're glad you found us. It's college football and only college football. Hit that subscribe so you don't miss a minute of what got going on here. Uh, but what we do at the end of every single show is we open up the live chat. The live chat's been open, but we go to the live chat and hear from y'all. Your thoughts on the rankings, your thoughts on your team, your thoughts on college football playoffs as a whole or college football as a whole. Want to hear from y'all. We call ourselves the People's College Football Show. You can't do that and then not involve the people in the show. So we don't do that. We involve y'all, and uh, we have a good time doing so. So going to do a quick ad read. Should be right around a minute or so. During that minute, blow up the live chat. Get all your questions in, all your thoughts in. We're going to go to Nick Break here in just a second, and we will make sure to get to those in an orderly fashion. So 60 seconds starts now. The Hard Count is brought to y'all by our friends at Game Time. Now, 
I want to tell y'all about a situation I was in previously where um, I'm trying to get to a game. It's a big-time Saturday, high-impact game, and I'm like, man, I would love to be there. Tickets are looking a little bit scarce. If I had game time, I would have been in good shape. So if you're trying to get to LSU-Bama and you're like, man, J.D., I would, want, I would like to go, but I don't know if I'm going to get taken advantage of by trying to buy tickets from a scalper. I don't know if you know someone's going to jack up the prices on me and they'll be way more than I'm supposed to pay. Game time is going to make sure you have tickets to the biggest event, fast, easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you with killer last-minute deals. So... Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. Like I was saying, you're going to have a situation where you know you are getting the best price guaranteed for that ticket. It's not going to be a thing where you look later and say, man, I'm in the same section and row and I found a ticket that was way cheaper. If that's the case, Game Time, they will credit you 110% of the difference if you find a ticket in the same row and section for less money. So that's a game changer. They're obsessed with finding ways to help you save money. They also do a, a phenomenal job in letting you know what kind of ticket you're getting in advance. It's not going to be a situation where you walk in, find your seat, sit down. Why don't you know it? You're right behind the scoreboard. You can't see any of the game. Not the case. You can know before you buy, see the view from the seat, and you're in good shape. So here's what I need you all to do. We're going to take the guesswork together out of buying tickets with GameTime. Download the GameTime app. Create an account. Crucial third step here. Use code HARDCOUNT for $20 off your first purchase. Now, 20 bucks that adds up pretty quick now. $20 off your first purchase, that could make a dent in any purchase when it comes to uh, the ticketing world, especially for all the big games we got, we got coming up. Uh, terms apply. Again, create an account. Redeem code H-A-R-D-C-O-U-N-T for $20 off. Download game time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. So we appreciate them bringing us the hard count today, bringing y'all the hard count today. Hey, let's get to some, some thoughts. Let's get to some questions from y'all. Bringing on the keeper of the queue. Baddest leg in the entire greater Nashville area. Game day today, Nick break. Nick, game day, baby. Final four. Looking to hang a second banner for the boys at BKE, which is, your, of course, hey, your kickball it, team's it name. Is co it's co-ed. Co-ed. Uh, <laughs> so how are we feeling? We're going to get to the questions here in a second. How are we feeling? We're feeling good. Who who said? Um, someone in the comments get after me. Who was it that said I woke up feeling dangerous? Was that Baker Mayfield? Yes, <laughs> that's that the was. funniest. You're waking up feeling dangerous. A little bit, man. You yeah. look kind of dangerous. Oh, you yeah. look kind of dangerous. Did you dress up last night for Halloween? You know, I was going to. Um, I was gonna. I have this sweater. It's the exact same sweater that Chris Evans wears in this good movie called Knives Out. But I was just like, man, I'm tired of explaining things. I'm just not gonna dress up. Mm. The modern consumer, as it were. Yeah, what is that, uh, Oscar in The Office? Yeah. What is it, the rational consumer? Yeah, you, you're probably, <laughs> you, you probably have that quote dialed in. But yes, that's what you were essentially. Yeah. You know, with your haircut, you kind of look like Jason Bourne. Maybe could have gone Bourne <laughs> Matt Damon last night. I'm just saying. Matt Damon vibes. Oh, man. What do we got today, brother? What's going uh, on in the chat? What do we uh, got from the good people here? First question is from AAA. Who would win this potential or the potential bowl game between Notre Dame and LSU? So the funny part about the bowl games now, whenever we do bowl pick them, uh, I'm consistently going back and changing my pick like every other moment because we get bowl opt outs and we find out a guy's not playing at like the last minute. Uh, if it were to happen tomorrow, I think LSU's ability to score points 
would probably make me lean LSU, but then also I don't know if we're going to get Jaden Daniels in that bowl game. So, I mean, who knows? Uh, man, LSU's defense has got some issues. They got issues in the interior. I, I think LSU could probably set the pace. I don't know if Sam Hartman's playing. I don't know if Jaden Daniels is playing, but I think the way that they're operating right now offensively, I would lean LSU, but that would be a great bowl game, bro. I'd, I'd love if we got that one. That'd be a lot of fun. There, there's a lot of sneaky good bowl matchups that we might be able to get, but I'm, I'm just kind of a fan of bowl games to begin with, so... You're a fan of bowl games? I'm a fan of bowl games, bro. Man. I think they're awesome. I've always been a fan of bowl games. Even before there was the opt-outs, like something, something kind of magical about it, you know? Oh, yeah. A lot of these guys, last time playing ball ever, your last time watching your team play, just had Christmas or about to have Christmas. Like, it's just vibes are high. You know? A lot of, you see, I watch bowl games on Boxing Day. You know what Boxing Day is, J.D.? It's the day Boxing after Christmas. Day, the day after Christmas. That's a big day in, in the Premier League. Ooh. Watch those games. And I'll actually, I'll be like, you know, I feel like watching a couple bowl games. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong know, with, with unboxing a little bowl game usually, action for you. Usually when that. my Hilltoppers play. Actually, a lot of times WKU plays before Christmas, which is when you know you're kind of stinky. Well, Bahamas Bowl. Yeah. It's Bahamas like every bowl. year. That's a vibe. Yeah, I guess so. You know? Yeah. I'm here for that. Absolutely. Hey, uh, Mando Flores says, J.D., What's the best win amongst top 10 teams? I'd have to say either Texas over Bama, Ooh. OSU over Penn State. So I'm assuming we're saying top 10 teams in terms of beating other top 10 yes. teams. Yes. Uh, well, no. Who has got the best win who's in the top 10, I think? I think the best win probably is Texas right now with them beating Alabama in Tuscaloosa. And the unfortunate part for Texas is if that happened last week, maybe Texas is higher in the college football playoff rankings right now. But since it was week two, we're all kind of like – yeah, that happened, but also it was a while ago. And I think just human nature, there's no way around it. The further back something happened, the less importance we give to it. It's not fair. I'm not here for it, but I think it is kind of the reality when it comes to the college football playoff rankings. Um, so I think Texas win over Alabama is the best win right now. Uh, the Ohio State win over Penn State is extremely impressive. The Ohio State win at Notre Dame might be more impressive. It hasn't aged as well. But again, I think Bama... At Bama is just a huge win. And um, if the game against Penn State for Ohio State was like in-state college, maybe that's the win that you go to. Regardless, all good wins. Ohio State definitely has the best resume, but I think the win that you look at there is, uh, is the Texas over Bama. I think the most convincing win, Nick, and I said this in, during the show, like most convincing win to me is Oregon over Utah. Like that to me was a very, very clear statement about like the level of talent and the just approach overall that Oregon's bringing to the table. So I'm going with Oregon there when it comes to most uh, most impressive win. Yeah, well, you say that, um, you know, if Oregon has the best loss, and you said that earlier in the Ooh. show, then I guess Washington has to have the best win, right? Yeah, they're, hey, they're up there. They're definitely up there. Washington, the way they've played the last couple of weeks, give me some cause yeah. for concern. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. But, no, I think, I think that's definitely a fair way to put it, too. Like, beating Oregon, who's a top – 16 right now that win's going to mm -hmm. continue to age well and i think washington's got a mulligan i think yeah. they really do outside of the pac-12 championship i think they got a mulligan absolutely hey this one this is a comment that's going to lead into my next question so doug shepherd says if urban goes to michigan state get your affairs in order because the end the apocalypse is nigh um that goes right into this question asked so first i i don't know if there's actually smoke with this but jesse adams also mentions this says who has a better coach next fall in mitten state Urban at Michigan State or Jimmy at, at Michigan? That's a really good question. Is that going to happen? That's a really good question. If Urban Meyer went to Michigan State, 
Yeah, that would be a game changer. How fun would the Big Ten be? Like, like the obvious statement is, hey, Michigan State would probably end up being pretty good by nature of Urban Meyer's track record at the collegiate level. I think they'd start winning some football games is what I'm trying to communicate here. You'd have Ryan Day. You'd have Lincoln Riley. You'd have Dan Lanning. You'd have Chip Kelly. You'd have Matt Rule at Nebraska. You have Urban Meyer at Michigan State. Like that, the Big Ten would just be a star-studded cast. P.J. Fleck at Minnesota. Like there would be so many good coaches across the board. Bielema, Illinois. We could keep going here. Like there Dan Lanning. Dan, yeah, with Dan Lanning, we said, I think. Like they would be, I mean, Kalen DeBoer at Washington. Like they would be stacked when it came to the Big Ten. It would be a coach's clinic every single week. Uh, I would love to watch the chess games that would go on should you add Urban Meyer to the mix. It'll be great either way, but like adding <laughs> Urban Meyer, the star power. Uh, oh, yeah. That would add some juice to Urban's take, too. I don't know if we still get Urban's take. Yeah, on I don't channel. know if we'd have that weekly show, which, by the way, if, if you haven't watched that on our channel, it's every week. Urban's take. It's Urban and Jim May, or Tim May, excuse me, guys. Mm. Um, it, it's, a, it's a fun one to watch. It's awesome. It's it so good. I mean, just a lot of transparency, great conversation. <laughs> it's very transparent. Uh, man, if we. <laughs> I would just love so much if we found a way to keep doing that if he took the job at Michigan State. Yeah. We'll cross the bridge when we get there, but that, that would be awesome. Yeah, it would, uh, there, yeah. it would make the Big Ten very, very exciting. I don't know who you lean towards because Urban Meyer's got a couple of national titles to his name, but uh, it would be a lot of fun. I'd be here for it. Hey, uh, Matthew says, J.D., at what point do we devalue wins against Penn State? They make no effort to schedule out of conference, and they drop to Michigan and Ohio State every year. So... Is that win really significant, J.D., for Michigan and Ohio State, if they just do it every year? Yeah, I think it is, especially with the way they've recruited. Like, I understand the, the thought behind, well, hey, Penn State hasn't really played to the level that people talk about them. Like, th there was all this talk around higher dude factor, to quote Andy Staples, and better talent across the board on their roster and the quarterback. And, like, yes, you can have all those things, but until you actually get over the mountain, it's going to be hard for people to point to something tangible and say they're a better football team. Now, I'm here to tell you they are a better football team. I think they're going to show that when it comes to, you know, bowl season and we see them throttle whoever they end up playing. I mean, still, they won the Rose Bowl last year with Sean Clifford and a lot of these guys that are on that team now. So, like, I don't want to look too far in the rearview mirror. But to, to say that Penn State isn't still a good football team, I think that's reaching a little bit. Now, have they played better than Ohio State and Michigan to this point in the year or to this point in the James Franklin era consistently? Uh, no. And that's, that's kind of the nature of the beast right now if you're Penn State. He's got to find a way to get to that tier one and kind of plant the flag and show you've arrived. But to devalue the win would feel irresponsible to me. And I think we're going to see that the way that Penn State finishes out the rest of the year too. So big win against Maryland though. Big win against Maryland this week, Nick. Yeah, Big absolutely. one for Penn State. Hey, I just want everyone to check in on Doug. Send some positive uh, messages to Doug because he seems very sad. Said the college football season flies by just like life. And then was talking about how the North is going to be the best place to play college football in the future because it's going to be too hot to play in the South. Doug, it's okay, man. We're good. We Doug, got we're this. we're here for you. We got this. Yeah, hey, we got this, man. It's all good, Doug. Hey, we, we understand it. The good news is the season – it's going to run its course. We're going to enjoy the heck out of it. Because you part. celebrate Saturdays. We celebrate Saturdays. What were you going to say, Nick? Best part of the year right Best here. Part of Best the year, part of the man. year, man. Like, hey, like, let's, let's soak it in. Let's take it for all it's worth. Let's cherish it. Slow it down a little bit. Yeah. The good news, though, the hard count, there's no offseason for the hard count. Yeah, so, it, so, I mean, the games won't be happening, but college football will be happening. Transfer portal. Doug got the, got the portal about to keep, get rolling here. You got recruiting. Doug will have a national signing day show. Yep. 
We had a, we had a lot to get to, Doug. I promise you. So yeah. if you love college football, we're not going away. Make sure to dial in right here. Our show's a lot of fun in like March and April too. Oh yeah, a lot the, of it's all really about just really crazy takes from people in the chat, and we get to those, and we really get to, get to talk. He said, "I'm just playing, Phil. Uh, too blessed to be stressed. Appreciate the thoughts." Let's go, Doug. That's Let's a program, ride, Doug. program guy. We program send, guy, Doug. Send a program shirt to Doug. That's awesome. <laughs> Heck yeah. Great call by you there, Nick. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, thank you very much for your comments, everybody. Um, what do you say? Two more questions? Is that, that sounds, good? Sounds great, brother. JD, this is from OG Gary, who we need to send a, a one of my kickball shirts, Big Kick Energy, to um, OG Gary because always very, very positive about the team, saying we're going to get the ring, appreciate it. Says, what would have to happen for this top four? Oregon, Michigan, LSU, Texas. A lot, JD, right? <sighs> The LSU one is, is hard yeah, to get behind. Yeah, that's the backbreaker. The Michigan and Oregon one, hey, win and you're in, is the sentiment there. Win and you're in. Texas is the same sentiment. Win and you're in. Uh, the LSU situation is tricky. You would need, well, let's, let's try and unpack it. You would need Georgia to lose to probably Missouri and Ole Miss. You would need LSU. Well, they, well you need Ole Miss to probably lose another game because you don't have the tiebreaker there. Ole Miss lose to A&M. Ole Miss beat Georgia. Missouri beat Georgia. So Georgia's got two losses. And you have, gosh, this, this is so tricky. Ole Miss lose to A&M. They have their second loss. Georgia beat Ole Miss. So Georgia, we, we need Georgia to get to the college football, not college football playoff. We need Georgia to be ranked as highly as possible and LSU to win the rest of the way and to meet them in Atlanta. Ole Miss gets a couple losses. You beat Alabama, LSU finds their way into the SEC title game. If you beat Georgia and you're a two-loss conference champion from the SEC, then you need the ACC to have a couple losses as well. Like, there's, I'm going to be real here, probably a, a bit of a far-fetched situation to happen. Not impossible. Not impossible. A lot needs to happen. If you're LSU, handle business. If you can play Georgia in the SEC title game, and they're the number one team in the country, and you can beat them convincingly, I think that's all you can really ask for at this point if you're LSU. Now, again, ACC has to have some things go wrong. Ole Miss has to have a couple losses. Like, just get to the SEC title game, and we'll, uh, we'll reevaluate from there. But, yeah, I worry about them getting blocked out, even if it's yeah. like a one-loss conference champ, Florida State, you know? Like, there's just there's some things there that make me nervous if I'm, if I'm rooting for, uh, for the Tigers. Okay, sounds good. Hey, I'll ask this last question really quick. Like I always say, if you know, I didn't get to it today, ask it again tomorrow. Also, what's your score prediction for uh, kickball tonight? BKE, what are we? What's the score going to be? Do we get it done? Uh, get that in the chat mm-hmm. um, so we can we can see. Uh, I love that. Say, JD, I like, love that so much. Is that, cool? that makes me so happy you plugged that. Yeah, hundred percent, brother. I want to hear your score prediction too. So let's ask this question, but I want to hear your score prediction uh, right after. Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, man, look, Evan, I know you're asking this question a lot. It's a good question, but I have to ask this question. I'm sorry, man. I'm going to have to go elsewhere because I really like this one, but I've got to find it first. Okay, it's Nick. Nick says, ask JD, is it safe to say that Georgia has become unpredictable, an unpredictable threat due to their flexible depth, depth and coaching staff? I think unpredictable might not be the word that I would use. I think there's an unpredictable element to them in the sense that 
like you said, there's so much depth. You don't know exactly who to game plan for offensively now. You kind of got to just give proper attention across the board defensively. Um, now, when you come to playing, you know, Georgia and they're on the defensive side of the ball, like they've done a really good job getting after the quarterback this last game against Graham Mertz. We hadn't really seen Georgia be a havoc wreaking football team. So I think there's an unpredictable, unpredictable element to it. But at the same time, like you kind of know what you're going to get with Georgia going to be able to run the football at you Carson Beck I think has proven he's a guy that can run this offense push the ball downfield they're going to be great on third down like so it's it's funny to say unpredictable and I have a hard time probably like putting that label on it Um, I would say there's definitely like an element of it could be anybody whenever you play Georgia it could be Oscar Delp it could be Dominic Dominic Lovett Uh, it could be Javon Bullard it could be like you just go down the list here it could be Tyke Smith like it could be small Monday like it's, it's a number of guys that you have to account for whenever you play Georgia and so in that way I guess you could say there's some some unpredictability uh baked into it whenever you play the dogs and they're uh and they're all healthy that is so when they get Brock Bowers back and if they have everybody on their and their lineup 100% healthy then that unpredictable element really uh really kind of starts to become a talking point because at that point you would hope Georgia rounds into like kind of Georgia 2.0 with the offense rabbit hole we could jump down but the answer is they're dangerous and there's the element of surprise they have. So I think we're probably uh, seeing eye to eye there on that point. Nick, what is your kickball score prediction, brother? Um, big one. Big well, one Mando says 5-3. Nick's winning the ship. Just like the Texas Rangers. Maybe the Rangers will win. I did not think they were going to win. I know you're not a huge baseball guy, JD, but um, we'll have to send our congrats to the boys in Dallas if that happens. Mm. JD, really quick, man. I said I was going to ask Evan. Do we get to that really quick? Let's do it. Evan yeah, says he's going to put it in his notes and ask tomorrow. I love but it. I'm just going to get this one out of the way because it is a good question. It's a good one to end on. Do you think it's possible that the CFP will end with the same teams that are in it right now? Alabama, OSU, Oregon, Florida State. Wait, Oregon. Oregon okay. Oregon at six. So you, he's you lost okay, me, yeah. Evan. So I think, hmm. Because, yeah, as it stands right now, you would have Ohio State and Michigan both getting in, which could happen. Mm-hmm. but I actually lean a little bit more towards that for the, that he just Yeah, I, th- I do too. I, I do too. Now I'm confused. Evan, you asked a confusing question. Evan's seeing the future, bro. <laughs> yeah, is Evan's, that what it is? Evan's Nostradamus over here. I love it. Yeah. I absolutely love it. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're going with that four, it's a very fair four to roll with. That's like, kind of a good, that's a good prediction, right? Yeah, I mean, I still probably lean Michigan. The, yeah, me the too. folks in Columbus will be upset with us. We'll see what happens when we get to that game. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll change our pick, but I probably still lean Michigan with how dominant they've been. <laughs> but either one, like either one of those yeah. in that four makes a lot of sense to me. So. <laughs> I, I misread the question. Everyone's dogging me right now. I'm sorry, Matthew and Evan. Um, maybe we'll have to ask it tomorrow, JD. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Well, Nick, you're the man. Uh, do you have a score prediction tonight? You're going to call your shot, or are we, are we just kind of keeping well, it all close we, to the best? We have to play two games if we win. JD, I don't want to put a score prediction because I, I don't know, man. I, I don't feel too great about it. Okay. But I do have faith. What did Josh Groban say at the end of the Polar Express? If you just believe, right? Is that what Josh Groban says at the end of the Polar Express? Yeah, and that great song. Dude. 8271 oh, yeah, yeah. is JD Mapes 11's prediction out there. Dude, you, you've been, and this is no surprise for those people that, that actually know you and know you're just an almanac when it comes to TV shows, movies, quotations. Like, you just knock those out of the park. But golly, between that and The Office, like, you got to be feeling, I mean, you're in, you're in playoff form right now when it comes yeah. to that. So I feel really good about your chances tonight. Absolutely. I'm going to go ahead and put your uh, final score tonight. Let's say 9-7, walk off for... Nick break to left <laughs> oh, to left field down oh. the line, two run score, 
they mob you at the plate and uh and we bring home some hardware how about that uh, don't tease me jd everybody's teasing me everyone's too much faith in big kick energy no we're all we're all behind you man the program is behind you okay you know well we'll break it down tomorrow jd i love it in the meantime uh you have a good one nick you're the man i'll see you tomorrow best of luck tonight man yeah best of luck to nick break hey appreciate y'all being tuned in we are back on the air tomorrow talking about some teams that could make the playoff that maybe are on the outside looking in right now i'm not talking about the top six heck we're not even talking necessarily about that top nine but outside the top 10 or maybe even when it comes to that top 10 Right on the outside looking in, kind of that, that edge. Who can make a move and find themselves in the top four on Selection Sunday? We'll break it down. Also, our pick for Bedlam, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. One time for the one time. Give you our winner there. So make sure you're dialed in tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern. Want y'all subscribe. Want y'all make sure you like the video. Hey, really quickly, thank you all for getting us over 100. Tradition continues. Y'all crush it. We thank you for answering the call to action every single time. For Nick Brake, I'm J.D. Pakel. We appreciate y'all. We love y'all. We're going to keep this party rolling. We will see y'all next time. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.